All right. Well, um, tonight I thought it would be best if we just uh, spent some time looking at some scripture about fasting. Um, there's not. This isn't going to be a conclusion to Deuteronomy, but it sort of is, because uh, what is the point of the book of Deuteronomy? To get the people to realize that what it's all about is loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And that's what fasting is all about. So uh, I, I actually like that we are going into our week of fasting coming out of the book of Deuteronomy, because what better way to practically apply Moses' exhortations to the people uh, before they go into the land? You have to be a people who seeks the face of God more than anything else. Um, and so I, I just want to go through some, some scripture on fasting and kind of set a vision for us, uh, get, get it in our hearts, get some anticipation in our hearts, um, some, some solid biblical foundation for um, this fast that we do every year. You know, fasting isn't an, just an annual thing for us. We have a weekly fast. It's a, it's a 24-hour fast on Wednesdays, uh, and we fast as a community. But this for us is a special, a special time of year. Uh, it is our annual fast, and it's, it's, it's the thing that we celebrate as a church together. Uh, it's, it's really kind of the one big church calendar thing for us, other than the hot dog extravaganza uh, on the 4th of July. I can't think of anything else that we really do guard every year um, as much as we do this annual fast. And it's because it's, it's at the foundation of who we are. Uh, we are a community first and foremost, that wants to know God and know him on an intimate and personal level. Um, so I, I, I want to talk about fasting um, and look at some scripture about fasting, what it does, what it can do for us, why we do it, um, or more what, what we see in scripture uh, about fasting, the people who fast and the, and the fast that God calls. But then I also want to talk about um, just... The idea of having a, a sacred time, a, a solemn assembly as a community, uh, because that's also a biblical thing. We're sort of doing two things in one. Fasting uh, can be an individual thing, but this is a corporate fast. And that accomplishes some different things than just a, a, an individual personal fast would accomplish. We will all be fasting personally, but I think the even more important part is that we are fasting corporately. And so I want to talk about corporate uh, solemn assembly uh, as an idea from Scripture as well. Uh, we've, we've encountered these sort of festivals or assemblies or gatherings of the people of God a number of times in the Pentateuch. And so I just want to look at kind of the heart behind those and remind us of that stuff as well. So we're going to talk about fasting. We're talking about sacred time in community, solemn assemblies. And then I just want to talk about our particular fast um, and give some encouragements and exhortations there. So, um, we will dive right in. Uh, let's see. How many, how many points on fasting do I have? One, two, three, four, just four. Uh, three that have specific scripture. So, number one, fasting is an expression of a heart fully set on seeking the face of God. Fasting is an expression of a heart fully set on seeking the face of God. I believe it's the first time we encounter fasting in Scripture. Do you know where it is? And correct me if I'm wrong. 
But the first time I can think of encountering fasting in Scripture, uh, do you know? Do you know where that would be? What's that? Where Esau got hungry. <laughs> that's that an involuntary fast, <laughs> aka hunger. Um, I think it's when Moses went up on the mount, on Mount Sinai, and he didn't eat and he didn't drink for forty days. Um, so here's go to Exodus thirty-four. Now, I think I'm reading this right. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. But the first time Moses goes up on the mountain, um, back in chapter 26 or so, 20, nope, before that, 23 maybe, 22. When does he go up? Well, it's back in chapter like 19 or 20, but it says something about it. Um, in chapter 24, verse 18. Then Moses, or chapter uh, 24, verse 15. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of God dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. That's chapter 24. And it's there that he gets the pattern for the tabernacle. He gets uh, some of the law. And then what happens when he comes down from the mountain? He, yes, Annabelle. Yes, he, he returns to the camp to find the people off, you know, having a celebration to a golden calf, holding a feast to the Lord, they say, but they're doing it in a very pagan way, all right? And so he comes, and, and the scene that we're all familiar with, from the Charlton Heston, he's throwing the commandments down, shattering them, right? But then in chapter 34, God calls him back up on the mountain, and it's, it's this time that it says that he didn't eat or drink for 40 days or 40 nights. So the first time he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And I don't know if that meant that this was a double fast, if he fasted twice, or if the second time it included a fast as well. Um, if, you can, if you know the answer to that, let me know. Was it two fasts or just the, the fast the second time? You don't know? We don't know. Um, see if you can figure that out. But it appears to me that he just fasted the second time. Or at least the text says that. Which would indicate an increased uh, yearning because of what had just happened in uh, the episode of the, the golden calf. He goes back up on the mountain. And this is when he pleads to see the face of God. God, show me who you are. And this is when he gets the one of the most... Uh, Remarkable revelations of God of any human being that any human being has ever gotten. It says in 34 verse 28, So he was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets 
the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Um, He had gone up, and this is where in chapter 33, he's interceding for the people, saying, we don't want to go unless your presence is with us. And um, this is when God comes down and he, sh- he shows you, he shows Moses his name. It's in one of the verses of the songs we sang, rich in love, slow to anger, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God. Um, in chapter 34, verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. All right. Moses pleads with God back in uh, chapter 33, verse 15. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim, uh, proclaim before you my name, the Lord. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And he says, I'll put you in the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. One of the most remarkable encounters that a human being has ever had with God happened during what I think is one of the most remarkable fasts that a human being has ever undergone. Didn't eat, didn't drink for 40 days. And 40 nights, right? And this second time that he goes up, after the sin, I mean, that be, I believe that's part of it. I believe that drove Moses' urgency because God was saying, all right, I'm not going to go with you. I've seen the stiff-necked people. They've rebelled against me. I'm not going with you. And Moses goes up again, and he doesn't eat or drink. He, wants, he doesn't want anything but the presence of God or to see the face of God. All right, so this extreme fast, we can look at it and go, whoa, That's an extreme fast. But what was the result of it? Chapter 34, verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony uh, in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. And Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. He experienced God to such a degree that it, that it glorified his physical body. It's an amazing thing. So fasting is an expression of a heart fully set on seeking the face of God. Moses needed to seek the face of God at that time. God was wanting to send them away without his presence. And Moses said, no, we don't want to go anywhere if your presence does not go with us. Okay, this is what a, that's why Moses fasted for the presence of God to remain with the people. He said, because what, if, what do we have if we don't have that? What do we have if we don't have your presence? We're, we're, we're not even that good. We're not even that strong. Or we're going to get eaten alive. We have nothing if not for you. 
Jesus, uh, Jesus observes a similar fast. When does he observe it? He observes it right after his baptism. And it says the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness and he didn't eat, didn't drink for 40 days or 40 nights. And it's at that point that, the, that Satan comes to tempt him. And Jesus ends up undoing all of the, the disobedience of the people in the wilderness. When he's in the wilderness and when he's hungry, he clings to the word of God. Where in Deuteronomy it says that um, he actually quotes Deuteronomy 6 when he's in the wilderness. And he says, um, God says, or no, Satan tempts him to, to make the stones into bread. And he says, no, 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 man doesn't live by bread alone. This was the exact thing. This is right where the Israelites failed. Make life about food. No, no. Man does not live by bread alone. This is where God had told the Israelites in Deuteronomy 6, uh, no, Deuteronomy 8, that he caused them to hunger so that he could see what was in their hearts, whether they would trust him or not. And here, Jesus is undoing the mistrust and the, and the murmuring and complaining in the wilderness. And he does it during a 40-day fast. Um, I am sure that Jesus was communing so closely with God during those 40 days that it really formed the foundation of his ministry of the next three years of his life. Just like Moses. What Moses experienced on that mountain formed the foundation for the next 40 years of his ministry, which was an arduous 40 years. Same thing with Jesus. What he experienced there in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights, no food, no water, formed the foundation of his ministry. Paul, when he gets struck off of his horse and blinded, it says that he, ate, he neither ate nor drank for three days. He underwent a fast. And so it's, it's these times of fasting and seeking the face of God that bring people into vision and proper orientation toward the will of God and the purpose. They, they are identity-forming times. They are identity-forming times. We discover our identity in Christ, and we also discover the identity of God. Um, a couple other scriptures that link this idea of fasting with a total commitment and a total um, uh, being fully set on seeking the face of God. Uh, Joel, in the, in the prophet Joel 2.12. I'll give you a second to get there. Actually, it's just as easy if you have a phone. It's, it's easier if you have a phone to find the minor prophets. Uh, Joel 2.12, this is in the middle of a prophecy about the day of the Lord, which is a day of judgment, a terrible day. Start in verse uh, 10. The earth quakes before them and the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts, not your garments. 
Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Does that sound familiar? Return to the Lord your God. Remember who he is. Remember his name. Remember the way he revealed himself to Moses. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, let the ministers of the Lord weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? This is a very similar prayer to the one Moses prayed. What do we have? What do people see if not your presence? There's nothing here. We don't want to become a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? We need you here among us. Second Chronicles 20. Old Testament scripture reference workout tonight. This is a time of repentance. Um, Jehoshaphat is is, uh, issuing some reforms throughout Israel. But just the idea of fasting as a means of of setting your heart to seek the face of God. Um, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them... Some of the Munites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehosh- Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek Help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So fasting is about seeking God. Fasting, yes, it is an act of self-denial. But that is not the primary point of fasting. Fasting is a means by which we express our heart's desire to seek the face of God. Amen? And all through Scripture, the people who fast, you don't see them trying this little spiritual discipline, hmm, I wonder if this will give me more peace in my personal life. There's a need, (laughs) or there's an absence of the presence of God. There's an identity crisis. Who are we without you? We're no one. We need you. And it drives them to fast, to seek the face of God. All right, so that's the first point. Fasting is an expression of a heart fully set on seeking the face of God. Do you want to respond to the, all of the many parts in Scripture where it urges the people of God to seek Him with all of your heart? And if so, you will be in very good company if you do that in a, in a, in a manner of fasting, if you fast while you seek the face of God. Number two, fasting is for greater effectiveness in the purposes of God. Fasting is for greater effectiveness in the purposes of God. 
Isaiah 58 is one of the great chapters on fasting. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? For a person to humble himself, is it to bow down his head like a reed, to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? What is this about? Is this just about asceticism, just mere asceticism? Let's just, let's just feel bad about things for a while. Maybe God will hear us. It's like, that's not, where is, where is that? What, what, what good is that? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst and the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness. And then he says in verse 13, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, which was another regular time of seeking the face of God, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So fasting was not a spiritual exercise, an exercise in, in asceticism. There was a real need to fast so that the power of the Lord could, could be channeled through the people of God and could go out and accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. The whole reason that I'm your God is so that you would be a blessing to all nations. So fast and, 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 and fasting as an expression of dependence on God and my power will come forth. But right now, your fast is just all about you, he says. And the Sabbath is all about you, <laughs> But those things were for me. They were to be kept holy. And in the New Testament, there's a great scripture that illustrates this. um, That fasting is a a way to uh, 
achieve greater effectiveness in the purposes of God. Uh, Mark 17. This is a shorter passage. Mark 17, 13. Nope. There's only 16 chapters in Mark. Matthew 17. Try Matthew. Actually, it might be Luke because in my notes it says MK. That could have been that could have meant LK. No, it's it's Matthew. Nope, it's Luke. Nope, it's not that either. Would it be Mark 7? Let's try Mark 7. Mark 7's on gender. Well, what in the world? Okay. Well, here's what it says in the Gospels about this. Jesus comes and he... he, he comes back and apparently his disciples had been trying to uh, heal a, a kid and, and send an evil spirit away from him. And he says, this one doesn't come out except by fasting and prayer. So there was, there was a step that they needed to take and it included fasting that was to increase their effectiveness in, in the ministry of, of healing and driving out the evil spirits. All right, that was a lot of searching for a, <laughs> for a small... Mark 9? Man. I don't know if it says fasting and prayer, though, in Matthew, in Matthew 17. I do think it's in a couple places, at least that... Uh... Yeah, when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. Uh, no, that's... Not... Okay, yeah, 929. When he entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we, privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out uh, by anything but prayer. Um, and I think whatever it says it in Matthew, it says fasting and prayer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we've discovered, we've discovered a manuscript, uh, a manuscript discrepancy here in the... In the I feel like we've entered a black hole in this point. I think we need to just move on. Okay. Number three on the points on fasting. Fasting is a way to demonstrate, and not in the negative way that Isaiah just warned us against, but fasting demonstrates humility, repentance, and submission to God's will. Okay. Uh, humility, repentance, and submission to God's will. Um, Nehemiah 9. You know where Nehemiah is? It's after, after Ezra and before Esther. Mm-hmm. 
Now, this is, this is post-exile. The people are coming back, and the people are uh, having a time of, of confessing their sin. Um, they're coming back into Jerusalem. And it says, On the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth, and with earth on their heads. I think that's dirt. And, and the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshipped the Lord their God. Um, and then it goes on and it, it has, it's a very striking passage because it has all of their confession and they're, they're realizing all the guilt and the ways they've offended the heart of God. Um, but fasting was to be incorporated into uh, this act of true repentance and confession. And it's a way of humbling ourselves before God, saying, you are God, I am not. I have done it wrong. I have done it my own way. I have not conformed my life to your will. We have not conformed. And this is, it's a corporate repentance, a corporate submission. We have not. It says for a quarter of the day, they read the word of God. And for another quarter of the day, they basically told God all the ways in which they hadn't kept the word of God. We see your word. We see who you are. We see your holiness and the glory of your ways. And we see that we're not that. And so we humble ourselves before you. And not as a way of of gaining grace. Okay, Fasting is not a a way of, of getting God to forgive you. Because you feel that bad about your sin. But fasting is a way of saying, God, I am, I am totally at your disposal. It's an act of humility and submission. When it says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, one great way to do that is fasting. And fasting is really a humbling thing. Those of you who have fasted, you know, you get to a place where you just feel like, I am not me. I am, what is this? That's... <laughs> What is the state of mind that I'm in? I don't know who I am anymore. Um, what, what is going on? And it is really humbling. I depend on food that much? Whoa. Who am I? Psalm 69. This whole thing is really about uh, uh, repentance and, and, and humility. But it says uh, in verse 9, Zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, it became, I became a byword to them. So I humbled my soul with fasting. I think that's a great phrase. Fasting is a way to humble your soul before God. Um, all right, so those are the three big points to, to, to realize about fasting. Fasting in his expression, fasting says we want to seek the face of God and we will go this far to see him. Uh, we want to be more effective in the ministry that he's called us to do, in the purpose that he has placed on us. We want to be more effective. We want the power of God and the healing of God to go out from us. Who wants that? Did you want that? I want that for this church. I want that for my life. I want people to know and to be touched 
by the power and the grace and the healing of God through my life. Fasting will help us get there. And fasting demonstrates humility and repentance and submission to God's will. Um, it, it demonstrates urgency and fervor. Okay? It's, it's like a way of taking, every, taking what you're doing with God and pouring gasoline on it. That's what fasting is. It's a way of ratcheting up the, the intensity of whatever it is that you are doing with God. Whether it's ministering, praying for someone, seeking God's face for yourself, seeking God's face for someone else. It's a way of intensifying, increasing the urgency. The urgency and the fervor. All right, so that's some stuff about fasting. And, and actually, a lot of these, there's a few individual fasts that we just talked about, and then there's a few corporate fasts that we talked about um, in, those, in those passages on fasting. But I want to say something next about um, just having these sacred times in community. Um, so God has always, and you see this all through uh, the Old Testament, he always calls his, he always has time that he, that he sets apart to call his people together with him at regular intervals, in intervals um, to, to, to participate in, a lot of times it's for remembrance, it's a memorial, it's to, like the Passover, it's to remember the Passover, to remind ourselves. Um, it's for worship, it's for sacrifice, um, and it also includes teaching and hearing the word. When there are convocations, assemblies of the people of God in the Old Testament, it's for remembrance, worship, sacrifice, and hearing or reading the law. There's also the weekly Sabbath, which is kind of the maintenance routine. Uh, but there's these the three main feasts. Um, and, there's, and there's unique power. And we talked about this when we talked about the feasts. Uh, there's a unique power that comes on groups as they set their hearts to seek God together. Together. When we all give ourselves to this common thing of seeking the face of God. Um, I could read more from the Old Testament, but I want to read some from Acts. Because uh, these scriptures, are, I think, are really encouraging as we head into the fast. There is a unique power that comes on groups, uh, bodies of believers, when they set themselves together to seek God. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 12. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew... James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Um, Acts 2, verse 1. So they continue in that. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave, gave them utterance.
Um, chapter 4, verse 23. When they were released, this was from prison, from prison. When they were released, or, or custody at least, they, were, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth. So they, they pray. And then again, it says, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And then in chapter 13. Verse 1, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod, of the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So what happens when the people of God gather themselves together and commit themselves to seek the face of God? The Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit shows up. Pentecost, the Spirit falls. After they were released from prison, they all gathered together, prayed, set themselves to pray together and and worship together. The Spirit fell. Here in Acts 13... The Spirit falls and gives them like specific directions. Who would like specific directions for sending out ministers and and for ordaining people? This is pretty awesome. They were worshiping. They were praying together and fasting together. The Holy Spirit shows up. Um, So what I want to say about sacred time and community, uh, I will take from Deuteronomy chapter 16. Verse 16. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose. And ladies, you're not off the hook because it says, um, it says like a few verses earlier that it's, that it's everyone. Um, anyway. All your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. Now listen to this. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. So number one, everyone was called. Everybody comes. If you are a part of this nation, you come. And you don't come empty-handed. You bring something. doesn't have to be a lot, but you've got to bring something. Every man shall give as he is able. All right? So it's according to your ability. According to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. So there you go. God said three times a year, everybody come. And everybody bring something. This is all in. All hands on deck. And so... That's what I want to. That, that's the main point I want to say about our time when we a sacred when we have a sacred time as a community. I want to call because I believe that this is of God, and we do this every year, and it's agreed upon by the elders. And this is I want to call everyone to appear before God during this fast. 
everyone to participate. Um, everyone decide uh, to participate. And nobody should just kind of go passively through the fast. That would be appearing empty-handed, right? I would say that that would be the same thing as just not engaging the fast at all. Just sort of like, yeah, people are fasting. Okay. You know, and just kind of drifting through it. Actively bring something to give. Now it says, as you're able, right? So it allowed for individual differences in capacities and abilities. But everybody in, everybody brings something. Um, That's what God desired out of his feasts. And I think that's the thing that made them click. I don't think it really mattered what kind of songs they sang, what kind of things they did. It was that everybody was here and everybody brought something. Okay? So, for our fast, we do expect everyone to participate uh, and for no one to participate in an empty-handed way. Um, Now, a lot of times our minds go straight to like, the actual fast. What are we giving up? What are we fasting from? How, how long are we fasting? Are we going all three days? What are we going to do? Um, and that's good. And get a plan for that. But the, the bigger thing is that everyone ha- needs to understand what this is. This is a gathering of the people of God. This is a sacred time. For, uh, this is a solemn assembly. The trumpets have been blown in Zion. <laughs> and the summons have been given. Every man. And don't come empty-handed. Um, the, the actual mechanics of the fast is just, I mean, honestly, it's, it's part of it, <laughs> but it really is not near the, the, the depth of it, okay? What this is, and if you really get a vision for this, and this is what I want, this is the primary thing in my heart tonight, if you really get a vision for the power of people assembling themselves together in one accord to seek the face of God, that's what I think God desired out of these feasts. You know, they got all legalistic about it, right? And we're tempted to do the same thing. But what power is there when the people of God set their hearts to seek the face of God in one accord? And all, everybody's here and everybody's given. Everybody's in. Nobody's empty-handed. Now, it doesn't mean we're buying anything from God or bribing him with anything. That's not what it means to bring something. It means to be invested, right? To be in, to, to bring some sacrifice, all right? So I want to ask everyone to participate in the fast in some act of self-denial. Um, those of you who can, I think it's great to fast for three days. If you've not tried that before, um, fast for one day or fast a meal per day. Um, if you have medical issues, obviously take those into consideration. Nursing mothers, all that stuff. Uh, don't, don't do anything contrary to doctor's <laughs> advice, right? Um, but everyone should participate in some way. Certainly I would say, I, I would say this even more strongly than any kind of dietary restriction. I would say that we should turn off as many worldly entertainments as we can for three days. We can do it for three days. If we can't live without... Netflix for three days, we, we got a little more repenting to do, <laughs> a little more purity, purification to do. But I'd say just turn off, turn off anything that doesn't lead you into the presence of God, that doesn't, that doesn't fan the flame of your desire to seek the face of God, that, doesn't, that distracts you or, or tugs at your affections or, or anything. Now, obviously, some of us are going to still be working and in the world and all that kind of thing. 
So there's certain things you can't avoid. But basically claim every possible moment for seeking God. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, Dallas Willard talks about, in the spirit of the disciplines, he talks about the difference between uh, disciplines of abstinence, which is like refraining from something, and disciplines of engagement. And I want us to be heavy on the disciplines of engagement. Right? Pick the way you're going to abstain, whether it's three days, no food, or whatever. Uh, Pick that and do it. But exercise the disciplines of engagement. Um, Particularly, being in the Word, just just feed on the Word. Um, Praying and being with others, doing one of those two things, being in the Word or praying. So the, the fast, the abstinence part of the fast creates the context in which we can then do the real work of the fast. And this is the really exciting part because you begin to pray, but it's better prayer. You begin to get in scripture, but, whoa, I'm seeing things that my, my mind is able to hear things that I wasn't, wasn't able to hear before. And be patient because sometimes it won't be like that. Sometimes it'll just be like, <laughs> you know, this is hard. But then you press through, all right? So, um, just a couple other practical things. Try and celebrate this time, right? Approach this like a, a holiday. This is what it is. It's a holy day. And it's to be celebrated. It's not to be dreaded, you know. Solemn doesn't mean somber. Solemn means serious, engaged, um, for one purpose, intentional. That's what solemn means. It doesn't mean, um, right? Solemnity does not, does not mean a lack of joy. Right? You can celebrate in a solemn way, okay? So try and celebrate. Find joy. Find, find celebration. Find uh, levity in this time. Decide how you will fast ahead of time and let a friend know. Right? You, don't want the, you don't want to get all entangled in the practical things and not having time to seek God. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with, about this. Just decide how you're going to fast and let a friend know. Um, have a plan. You know, have a plan or like a schedule or like a progression, but also remain open to the Spirit. Um, and the biggest thing, just stay the course. Lockdown. Don't give up and get tired and go. You know, I just need to. I just need to veg out or something. Just stay the course. Um, if you get tired of praying, get in the Word. If you can't focus on the Word, sing some songs. <laughs> sing some worship songs. Um, if your strength is just really flagging, um, get a friend and and pray together. Uh, do what you need to do. Um, and finally, I'll just give you like a, pros- a, a possible progression. If you don't have any idea of like how I want to use these three days or what, what will be profitable, here's a, just a suggested progression, all right? Um, the first day, focus on humbling yourself before God and fanning into flame the love of God in your own heart. Maybe, you know, in, in the book of Revelation where it talks about remembering your first love, Maybe remember your first love. Um, 
Remember the things about God that caused you to turn from uh, your life of brokenness and emptiness and selfishness and toward him. And just fan that, th- fan that into flame and thank him for it. Remember. You do a lot of remembering. Go back through old scriptures that have meant a lot to you through the years and just places you've met God and just recenter yourself on God. I think it's a really good use of, of the first day. Um, and the second day, you can, you can kind of move out from there. You can begin to consider the individuals that you know God has placed you in a relationship with and carry them on your heart and lift them up before the Lord and ask Him to give you insight into their lives. And you know, Are there any ways I can serve them? Are they in need of healing in any way? Are, are there things that I need to share with them by way of encouragement or exhortation or even rebuke? Um, do I need to, am I to be instrumental in breaking chains anywhere in people's lives? Helping people rise above something that has ensnared them? Uh, do I need to ask anyone for forgiveness? Would be one. Do I need to restore a relationship that I've been ignoring? All right? So, kind of think about your relationships. And then on the third day, consider us as a church. And even our church as a uh, part of a group of churches in this area who have been given to Lexington and central Kentucky to serve the purposes of God in our generation. What would the Spirit say to the church here at ECF? What would the Spirit say to the CF churches? And God may put a word on your heart that's for the broader community. And we always, all the leaders and pastors and everyone... We want to have our ears open. This is one of the ways that we hear God in set direction, by the words that he places on the hearts of individuals. Now, usually, um, and this will happen every year, usually there's two or three or four or five people hearing similar things. And that's one way we can kind of test, yes, man, God's really speaking to us. So it's awesome when you start to have that plurality of, of, uh, of hearing God. And it really becomes a real thing. What would the Spirit say to us? In Revelation it says, Let he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit would say to the churches. And that's the Spirit in which you can enter that third day. So that's just a suggestion. You know, and that's usually what I do. You know, I spend the first day just really um, doing personal, <laughs> taking personal inventory of, of my own heart and, and where my passion for God is and, and my obedience and do I honor him? Are the words of my heart and the meditation of my mouth acceptable in his sight? Uh, do any kind of repentance and, and purification and then move outward from there. Amen? All right. Well, I, I'm, I am ready to fast and I'm very much looking forward to this. Um, if you have any questions or if anything's ambiguous, you're not quite sure how to best tackle uh, heading into this time. You can talk to me, you can talk to your home group leader, um, and just whatever you do, don't be, don't be ambiguous or sort of on the fence about anything heading into the fast, because that'll just lead to more confusion once, once we get in the midst of it. Amen? Are there any questions right, right now or, or things that you would want to add uh, to this tonight? Yeah? When you, um, when you said that like, fasting is not a means of- Yeah, it's, 
What I mean is it's not a way of earning God's favor or grace. It doesn't get us brownie points in our salvation. Um, in other words, it doesn't twist God's arm in any way, right? I really want this, so I'm going to fast for it. Or I really don't think you like me, so I'm going to fast and, and um, maybe you'll like me. That kind of spirit. That's not, we're not trying to get God to like us more. That's what I mean. It is a means of grace, meaning that we will, in fasting, we will receive, uh, we will have access to things in God that we maybe didn't have access to before. We will have unlocked channels of power or healing into our lives or intercession or gifting that, that were, were not open to us before. So it, it can actually release a lot of God's grace, not in the sense of, does God like me or not? <laughs> but in the sense of equipping for the ministry. Yep. That answer your question? Does that make sense? I did say that, and I'm glad you, you flagged that, because it absolutely, we receive grace. It is a grace to fast. Um, and that's what makes it not a legalistic, ascetic thing. Anyone else? I just wanted to underscore something you said because it's, it's very true uh, for me. What you said, don't make it fast. Um, and I find that like, really hard to do. Um, I find that I have to really be proactive and intentional about not making the fast. Without, not in the way of examining myself all that's good, but just. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always coming up in my mind. Um, and I think it goes a long way just and like repeatedly over and over. Shut that down. Don't ever let it become about validating. Yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. And help each other. You know, understand that, hey, this is something we're doing together and. It's hard. It gets hard. And let's encourage each other. When we're strong, when we're feeling pretty good, let's help some other people feel, feel better. And when we're weak, let's, let's receive from other people. Um, we said there was an email sent out about corporate prayer times. I would encourage you to come to all of those that you can. Um, you, there's no obligation to come to any of them. If you need to seek God... Uh, but I will say, I mean, show up to any of them unless you have, like, an intentional reason to not, um, if that makes sense. Don't just kind of decide, eh, I don't know, I don't know, I've got other things to do. You know, you may have other things to do, they may be worthwhile, but make sure that they are. Because these are times that are really, really sweet. And if we do show up, and if we do show up not empty-handed, um, these are really powerful times of prayer and being with God. I'll also say this. Um, it can be a trap during a fast to, to expect like this immediate spiritual something. You might just feel bad for three days. Doesn't matter. Don't gauge the fast on whatever feedback you're getting from your body or your how you experience the times of corporate prayer. Don't base it on your experience. 
All right? Um, because a lot of times in the days after the fast, there's like this, <laughs> for me at least, there's, there's this renewed sense of, of in other words, the, the, the real benefits of the fast will play out for months after the fast and won't happen, boom, right during the fast. All right, so just know that we're doing something that lays foundations and we're going we're gonna to reap the fruit of it uh, for weeks and months to come. And that's why we do this every year. It kind of serves at our, as our baseline for the, for the new year. Amen? I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, I think it's going to become more and more important as we grow as a church. Um, yeah. Amen. Let's pray.